wonderful woman of God. So this woman of God is not only a loving mother to her own, to her own children, but she mothers many children. Um, I can recall many a times when I visited her home and pre-pandemic that is, uh, there are children running all over. <laughs> and some of them are within her own family, but some of them are not. It was kind of like a drop-off station to the point where we have affectionately called it Camp Lester <laughs> because she has had many children come through her home and Isaiah has benefited from Camp Lester from time to time. <laughs> um, so another thing that I want to tell you is that um, I've had the pleasure of traveling with her, with the family, including um, Ma Brenda, as we affectionately call her. And when you travel with someone for a week or more, and sometimes two or three weeks, I think it was, you really get to know a person. <laughs> 16 days to be exact. <laughs> That's right, it was good times. But when you travel with someone and you get to talk with them for an extended period of time, you really get a chance to get to know them. And what I can tell you is that with my Brenda, what you see is what you get. Okay, she is like that here at church, but she's also the same in her home and the same as we travel. And so here's some things that I know about her. She is a minister's wife. She is an advocate for children, as you can see. <laughs> uh, she is also a very powerful prayer warrior and a very talented playwright slash director. She just has a knack, a knack for bringing out the best in people and pushing them to their success. She is a worker bee and she's very selfless. She definitely puts her all into everything that she does. And so I am um, delighted to say that NLCC has been blessed with a gem. Um, when the Lesters decided to, to make NLCC their home church. So I'm delighted to introduce to some and to present to others, none other than my mother, Brenda Lester. And on behalf of our pastor's wife, in her absence, I would like to present this arm corsage to you. Amen, thank God for you. Let's oh my goodness, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, while you are standing, um, we're going to Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. Father God, I ask that you would reach down within me and pull out those things that need to be heard by your people. Father God, you know that I wrestled with this. And even now I have to do what needs to be done and I'm asking that you would bless me according to your will. I ask that you would also bless your people that are hearing your words, Lord God, that they will bring them comfort, that your words would bring them confidence, that your words would give them commitment. Oh, Father God, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Our scripture is being taken from 2 Samuel 21 and 10. I don't know if it's up there. But um, Samuel 21 and 10 says, okay. 
Ritzpah, daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. May God add a blessing to the reading of his words. You may be seated. Now this sounds like a really gruesome Mother's Day story, and it is but it's about a mother's love and commitment with a subtitle, Don't Give Up. I'm gonna give you a little background on this scripture right quick. Again, I'm gonna keep my eye on the time. King Saul, along with several of his sons, is now dead. When David takes the throne, there's a famine in the land. And David prays and he asks God the reason for this famine and then appears the Gibeonites. There had been a treaty between Israel and the Gibeonites that lasted since the time of Joshua, approximately 400 years. However, King Saul violated that treaty by the massacre of innocent Gibeonites. So when the Gibeonites approached King David about the treaty that has been broken, I believe that David was so concerned with the famine, he wasn't really that concerned with the Gibeonites and their treaty. So David apparently says, "Um, I'll give you gold, I'll give you silver, here take this as reparations and go about your business. But the Gibeonites tell King David, "Mm -mm, don't want your gold, don't want your silver. King Saul did this to us, and King Saul must pay. But King Saul is dead, along with several of his sons, in a battle. And so David is wondering, well, what do you want? Just tell me what you want, and, and, and it'll be done. Imagine King David's surprise when the Gibeonites say to him, okay, Saul's gone, but he has some heirs. I want the lives of his heirs. So Saul has two sons left and actually six grandsons. And I believe that David was so stunned by his request, he had to kind of back up a little bit. And he said, well, uh, one of those grandsons is under my protection. You can't have that one. But he reluctantly has to give over the rest because he said he would. Now, to add further horror to this story, the Gibeonites decide We want them hung. We want them not only just killed, we want them hung. And this goes against the Israeli customs, Israel's customs, because what they're asking is, no, don't put a rope around their neck and hang them from a tree. No, that's not what this means. To be hung means to be impaled on a stake 
while you're yet alive. And if you're lucky, you die right away. But if you're unlucky, they're going to jam that stake into the ground and let you hang there. Not only that, they want them hung on a hill and their words were between God and man. So God can see that restitution has been made. I don't think God was too concerned about that kind of restitution. So they're hung on a hill and then here we go. That's not the end of it. Their bodies are not to be buried, as was their custom, to be buried the next day. Those bodies are to stay there so people can see as they are a reminder of the treaty that had been broken. So here we get to our verse. Rizpah goes up onto that hill and um, she makes a decision that, okay, there's nothing I can do about them taking my son. There's nothing I can do about them taking Saul's grandsons. Saul's grandsons, as a side note, were being raised by his daughter, Michael. So both of these women are suffering likewise. She raised these five boys and they're being taken from her. And Ritzba's two sons are being taken from her. Can you imagine someone showing up to the house and saying, this is what I'm gonna do to your kid. And you have no recourse. This mother was powerless to prevent the execution of her sons. She would not be allowed to plead for their lives, for her babies, the ones she gave birth to, the ones that she watched take their first steps, the ones who came to her when they were hurt or they were sick, the ones that were expected to comfort her in her old age. She was devastated, but she didn't give up. Ritzba climbed that rocky hill where her children's bodies were on display. And she probably pitched a little tent. And she's armed with either a staff or a spear to keep away the vultures and the wild animals from further desecrating the bodies of her sons. And she does something important. She lays a sackcloth down on that rock. A sackcloth meaning grief, mourning, despair, but also repentance. Repentance for the terrible wrong that had caused her sons to have to give up their lives. Her sorrow surrounds her as she pleads to the only one who can hear her. I'm sure she said words like, Lord, give me strength to do this. Let me not become weary in protecting those I love. But the scripture tells us that we have a savior. We do. A savior who was despised and rejected. He was a man of great suffering and it was acquainted with our grief. No matter what we go through, no matter how powerless we feel, we don't have to bear these burdens alone. Mothers, today we live in a predatory culture that seeks to devour our youth. It is social media that has more influence than we do. Social media tells our kids what to wear. They tell our loved ones what to feel 
who they should idolize and what is truth. Today, we are seeing a frightening number of people being told, be true to yourself, even before they even know what the truth is. Our loved ones have fallen prey to a culture that enslaves them to their most base appetites while denigrating the freedom and the obedience that, um, they, excuse me, while denigrating the freedom that obedience and devotion to Christ ensures. We are often made to feel powerless when we watch them who are dead in their trespasses and sin. They are like stinking, rotting corpses that are impaled by a life of drugs, alcohol, sexual promiscuity, rebellion, indifference. When we look at some of our situations, when we look at our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones, it seems hopeless. Ritzpa stood her position from early April until October. In the rain, in the heat of the day, in the cold of the night, she maintained her fight against vultures and wild animals. Some of us have been praying for years and we wonder when God will answer our prayers. I am sure there were times when Ritzpah felt overwhelmed. I am sure that she felt despair, but she refused to give up. Let me tell you that your prayers have not gone unnoticed. We have an intercessor, a high priest, who knows what we are going through. And he says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, we need you to help us not grow weary with our loved ones. We need you to help us witness to those who will not hear us. We need you to strengthen our resolve to continue to fight for the souls of those we love. Lord, I know that you see this situation that each of us are dealing with. Isn't it interesting that Michael, Saul's daughter who raised his grandsons, didn't come up that hill? She didn't say to Ritzpah, I'm going to come and give you some relief. Give me that staff, give me that spear, and I'll fight off the vultures and the wild animals for a while. After all, these were her nephews. These were her half brothers. But she didn't come up that hill. Ritzpah was all alone. Some of us are all alone in our convictions. No one else in our household shares our faith. Some of them will even say, you've been praying all these years and what good has it done you? But I'm telling you, do not give up. Some of us have been fasting and praying for others for situations beyond our control. Some of our loved ones were in dire situations, but our prayers, let me tell you, our prayers have protected them. Even in their wrong, 
It is not as bad as it could be. You think up on that hill with a spike through you, that's bad. But let me tell you, it could have been worse. The vultures could have torn them apart. The wild animals could have spread it here and there. But her commitment protected them. Your prayers have affected situations and the lives of others in ways that you cannot imagine. So don't give up. I was struggling with telling this story. And God just keeps laying it on my heart to tell. And I haven't told this story to many people. Very few people know of it. But my youngest son was dating a young lady in Waterford while he was dating another young lady in Southfield. The young lady in Waterford caught wind of the fact that he was dating another young lady in Southfield. And she became very, very angry. So what she did was she had her brother beat her up. And after he beat her up, she went to the police and she said, I was raped. And she named my son. When the police called me, you can imagine the terror that I felt. And when I talked to him about it, his attitude was, well, I didn't do anything. I don't, I don't understand what the big deal is. I, I didn't touch her. I didn't blah, 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 blah. And me knowing the real world and him not knowing the real world, I was terrified. I'll just go down to the police and I'll just explain it. No, you won't. Oh, no, you won't. We had to get a lawyer. And from the time that this came to my knowledge, I began to pray. And I tell people all the time, I eat more carpet than anybody would ever know. I'm on my face, on the floor, in my bedroom, begging and praying for my loved ones all the time. And I begin to pray and I begin to fast. And I, day after day, I was praying and I was begging God, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. Because this young woman was so sure that because he was a young black man, they would believe her over him. But I thank God for prayer. Those of you that don't believe that prayer works, I'm telling you, it works. It works. I was laying on the floor and I was begging God to do something. And all of a sudden, the spirit spoke to me and said, get up, it's done. Get up, it's done. And the next morning, the lawyer called me and he said, I have something to tell you. And I thought, okay, what, what could he possibly say? This is going to be devastating. I can't, I can't take it. But he made, I made the appointment and I was supposed to go in. But before I could get to that appointment, I got a phone call. 
the young lady who he was dating in Southfield, her mother called me. And she said, I know your son is a scoundrel. He had no business dating my daughter and the young lady up in Waterford. She said, but my daughter told me something and I cannot let it rest. Because you see the young lady in Waterford decided to contact the young lady in Southfield and she put it in writing. She said, he was two-timing both of us and I decided to get him back for both of us. I had my brother beat me up. I went to the police station and I made the claim that he raped me. We are good. And the young lady sat on it for days. She sat on it. She didn't know what to do with it. And finally, she went to her mother and she told her mother what had happened. And the mother said, I, if it was my son, I would want to know. She said, I not only am telling you, but I found out from another young man who your attorney was, because not only did she blame my son, because my thing was his car was down. So how did he get to Waterford, which is a side story? How did he get to Waterford that day? His friend had drove him up there. So he had the friend as a witness to say, this didn't happen. But she, when the police questioned her, she said, oh, he, he was there, he watched. So when we got the attorney, we had the attorney question both young men. But the attorney had told us quite, quite clearly, if it ever goes to trial, we got to separate the two boys because the police are going to pit one against the other. So I can't represent them both. But the, the young lady in Southfield was still talking to my son's friend. She was mad at my son. She didn't want to talk to him, but she had talked to Parrish and she had also sent Parrish that message that the girl had written. And he had taken it to his attorney and his attorney had shared it with my attorney. So when we went up to talk to the attorney, the attorney said, I've been in touch with the Waterford police. He said, there are no charges. I'm telling you what God can do. It could have been something on his record, even though they dropped the charges but no charges were ever made the minute that they saw this email. I'm telling you, it is never too late. God is able to protect. You may think that your prayers aren't reaching where they need to reach, but you have no idea what God is doing. You have no idea when you look at the lives of your loved ones, when you look at certain situations and it looks like it just isn't turning out the way you want it to, I'm telling you, God is able. He is behind the scenes working it out. And we may want it done in our time, but God has his own timetable.
don't you know that when you pray for others, it also changes you? We become stronger. Our faith increases. And each time we go before the Lord, our relationship with him changes. It becomes better. We have more faith in his ability to take care of everything that we have placed in his hands. We are no longer who we once were when we go before the king. We become changed. Ritzpah had been the wife of a king, but she no longer cared about her position in the community. Her fancy clothes and expensive jewelry wouldn't bring about the redemption of those that she loved. She had changed. She didn't care how crazy she looked out there all those months in the elements with a staff in her hand, beating off those birds and wild animals. I'm telling you, you can't care about what other people think. Let him go. He ain't worth it. All he does is cause trouble. How many times you going to keep praying for this one? How many times are you going to fast for that one? But I'm telling you, God is able. What Ritzpah was doing didn't go unnoticed. Someone saw her dedication. Someone heard her prayers. Others thought it was too late. But with God, it is never too late. Someone went to the king. Someone told him of Ritzpah's situation and how she was up there on that hill. And the king made it right. Likewise, Jesus is making intercession for us before the king. He notices our anguish. Don't give up. We are stretched out before the Lord, crying out about our health, our weaknesses, this pandemic, our children, our family, the souls that are lost. But don't give up. The king has heard our, our petition. And I urge you, don't give there's a song that they used to sing when I was a kid, and I sing it even now. And it goes like this. Saints, don't stop praying, for the Lord is nigh. Saints, don't stop praying. He'll hear your cry. For the Lord has promised, and his word is true. Saints, don't stop praying. He'll answer you. What a, what a powerful service. Amen. What a powerful service. You know, uh, I don't want this opportunity to go by. Amen. If someone has been touched today, amen, to just to know that God that Rispah knew, know the God that Mother Lester knows, to have a relationship with him where you can call on him, call upon him at any time. Don't let this moment pass you by. Choose ye this day who you will serve. Amen. And we say that um, every week, every week. And we say on Zoom, if you're 
out there in Zoom land, we ask that you contact someone, you have our information, we're available to talk to you. And of course, after dismissal on today, we'll have those uh, here in front uh, also available to, to talk as well. Let me say that uh, I enjoyed all aspects of this uh, service on today. I enjoyed the, uh, the young folks hearing them sing. Um, I tell you what, uh, you know, we play each week, but now Michael, he's shown me that he could play. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I just see retirement right there for me. <laughs> Amen. And of course, I, I saw those stellar actresses as well. So, you know, Meryl Streep. I think I even saw Halle Berry up there. <laughs> you all did well. You all did really well. Amen. And um, happy, happy Mother's Day. And the last thing I will say is uh, continue to pray for my wife. Uh, she, she's at home. She was in the hospital. Um, she's home now. Uh, she's still uh, not feeling uh, that well. We hope to uh, get some test results back. and. Uh, to make uh, you know this thing not so mysterious, we still don't know what's going on, but uh, we we haven't stopped praying, mother. We haven't stopped praying, and um, so just continue to lift her up. Um, she uh, was worried about uh, getting something here today. That's why we're a little late. Uh, I believe that Kelsey will cover that in a second. And uh, let me say too uh, that I, I don't want to let this slip by. This whole uh, service was, uh, uh, you know, it came from a, a vision that uh, Mother or Ma Brenda had. And uh, she put it all together. Uh, kids, believe me, you got someone in the background fighting for you. I tell you, yeah, she, she keeps us straight. She keeps us straight. She makes sure that uh, we look out uh, for you all. And um, she did a beautiful job today, uh, giving us the word, amen. And uh, we gotta tell your husband uh, when he gets back that you're represented well, <laughs> amen.